Yeah. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have the opportunity to, to share the experiences that we have in providing services uh, to the men and women of Shelby County. Uh, I'll be joined today by Jabari Ransom, who's a unit manager for one of our program units. And we want to talk a little bit today about uh, the criminal thinking and criminal behavior. What is, what is that all about? What is that saying? If y'all don't mind, I'm going to kind of step to the back of the room a little bit if it helps some. Uh, to talk about those things that happen. Uh, we're always honored, and we have uh, uh, Director Gupton, our director, in, in the room with us. And uh, since he's been with us for about, what, Director, eight months now? Eight months now. He's brought to the division this, this, this driving force, uh, and I'm the administrator for program service. He's brought this driving force to say, programs, 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 programs. Uh, we understand that job one is security. We all understand that, but we want to provide, or we're in a position to provide those services and supports that an individual needs, both male and female, to prepare themselves to re-enter into our communities. We talk about re-entry the very first day that an individual gets to our institution. We ask the question, what are you going to do when you get out? And they're saying, well, I just got here. <laughs> I mean, this is my first day. But we want to have those kinds of discussions to talk about what do you want to do. Uh, we are driven to utilize assessments, and how you assess people and evaluate people gives us the insight that we need to recommend, suggest, and even direct them to the appropriate uh, programming. So I'm going to start off talking a little bit about criminal thinking and some of these definitions, and Mr. Ransom is going to join us and talk a little bit more about the behaviors associated. Here's a question. What is criminal thinking? I mean, that's a simple question. What's anybody? What's criminal thinking? What's a, what is a criminal? A criminal thinks. A criminal thinks? <laughs> the way a criminal thinks, okay. Let's look at a definition. Thinking that says that it's all right to violate others or the property of others. Simple? We think that's inclusive? Is that from your experiences how people think? I can take yours. It's yours, but it's, it's going to be mine's. I can violate you, I can take it from you, because uh, I want it. Simple. Doesn't matter if I hurt you, if it causes harms, I'm just going to take it from you. As we go along and we begin to investigate and begin to assess and evaluate, we find that there's a lot of errors in thinking. And here are 10 that we've listed. Closed channel thinking, okay? Takes that stance of a victim, you know, that it just happens to me. I mean, I'm, I'm really the victim here. Although I rob you and put this pistol in your face, I, but I'm really the victim. It's, it's really me. Y'all really need to understand, guys, that I'm the victim here. Okay? View self as a good person. I'm really not a bad person. I just sell dope. I mean, it, does it, that makes rational sense in a line of thinking. Okay? Lack of effort. I don't want to work hard, but I want to gain the rewards. Okay? Fear of fear. Now, that's an amazing concept. Fear of fear. Lack of interest or responsible performance, lack of perspective, power thrust, uniqueness, and ownership attitude. Okay? So I think that as we go through these and we start talking about the closed channel thinking, we see what it really consists of. And I think that what I really want to do is let Mr. Ransom, who's a unit manager, and he's going to talk a little bit about some of the things we do, and I'll come back toward the end. But Mr. Ransom is on the unit every day, face-to-face, -face, 
with individuals, and we always go through a process of defining criminal thinking. He talks about us using an assessment tool, and we talked about what we use. We use a number of them. We use the ONET pro, uh, interest profiler, we use the TCUD, we use the criminal thinking scale, we use the LSCMI. We also assess for gang involvement. We do uh, domestic violence assessments. We do all of these types of assessments in our preparation for providing program services. Ms. Ramson, you want to take it from here? Good afternoon. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> My hopes for you is uh, for you to walk away with something practical. You know that you can uh, obviously, if you're here, you have some investments with working with criminals, and I want you to walk away with something practical. And when I had this man in front of me, you know, and he's kind of talking crazy. I mean, what he's saying is not making sense, and why is he saying these things? And it's so frustrating to try to get him to see the errors in his ways. All right. So. I want to talk, but I also want you to interact with me and ask me a lot of questions because we've been doing this for a while and I feel like we got a good grasp on understanding criminals and why do they do what they do, all right? So I'm going to say a statement I want you to say it with me so you can understand. This is going to be the first golden rule of working with any criminal, any lifestyle, I like to say addicted criminal lifestyle person. If you can say this with me, it's going to make sense, right? What we think all right, is wrong, they think is right. And what we think is right, they think is wrong. Thus and stands, that's the lives of the criminal. All right, we got to understand that what we think is wrong, they're going to think that's right. That's it. And what we think is right, they're going to think is wrong. And that's, that's where the problem lies. So if you take that approach, and we work in this field called corrections, you know, I always tell the staff that I work with that if we take corrections, all right, and the public expects us to correct these individuals why they're not care, right, then we understand that we work in a ministry. You know, we're saving souls, so I have to take on the mindset. Let me help him understand this, all right? So when he does something in front of me that's frustrating, let me not take it personal, get upset, and say that he's doing this to me, you know, making my job hard. But this is an opportunity for me to help this brother, okay? So um, let me kind of put a face on some of these situations. I got stories for all of this, you know. <laughs> I don't even like to say cold, closed channel thinking. I like to say this is your style. This is your criminal style right now, okay? Uh, let me say this kind of get going. But uh, okay, I got a drug dealer. I'm gonna kind of illustrate what I just asked you to say. I got a drug dealer, all right? And I like to get my drug dealers in the room and I ask them, uh, have you ever sold crack to a pregnant woman before? All right? Now he understands that and you say that's wrong, right? And any good crack dealer, he know I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna try to, you know, hurt, hurt his feelings. He's gonna get defensive. So I'm gonna make it real comfortable. If you sold crack, you ain't sold crack to a, a pregnant woman? You ain't did that yet? So they be like, well, yeah. Good, I got you now, okay? So how can you sell crack to a pregnant woman? You know, what do we tell ourselves to be able to do that act? Because we know what's wrong, but you still do it. And what you find, this, 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 this mind trickery that we use, uh, that's a crack head mother. That's a crack baby. Crack babies need what? Crack. And if I say that to myself over and over and over, then I remove any of the consciousness that stops me from doing the task. So I've conditioned myself to be able to do things and not have a conscience about it, right? And I do it so much, now it's on automatic, all right? So I like to say with the style that they develop is closed channel thinking. We understand that it's there for a reason. It's defense to block me from being able to change my behavior or look at my behavior and say, look, what's, what's wrong with me, which is the scariest thing. 
that drives all this madness that we got going on is I don't want to look at myself because I already know deep down inside I messed up. All right? But how do you get that? I recognize I don't want to get caught up into his chaos. Also, I need to say that too. I got a lot of stuff I want to say and I don't want to forget. All right? Is that criminal thinking feeds off chaos and drama. All right? And once we get sucked into that, pointing the finger saying, you know, you, you, you're a scoundrel, you low down, and you're no good, then we also become at fault because we're not seeing the person as being able to change. We attack his behavior, but we can't attack the person. That makes sense? Any questions so far? All right. So what is closed channel thinking? Okay. It's thinking that uh, I'm going to state my point, and I don't hear what you got to say. And I'm always going to point out your defects. All right. And I'm going to keep it off the present, and I'm going to bring it to the past. Well, you didn't do this. I'm going to pull up something that's totally not related to this incident to make my point, and I'm going to focus on that. Right. And then I'm going to get you into a defensive state where it just look like at the end of the day she don't like me. Nothing to do with my behavior, okay? So how do we get past that? How do we, how do we bring it down and say, well, you know what, gentlemen? This is, this is your behavior. How do we do that? How do we do that? Anybody? If I have a brother, just the other day, I left a pen on my desk. And I said, hey, man, that's my pen. And he told me, well, you know, I'm the one locked up. What that got to do with my pen in your hand? <laughs> and this is how they live. You know, I had a great opportunity with Mr. Lifford, also with Mr. Gupton, and we, got, we did something I think was real phenomenal. We was able to bring in the families of the incarcerated individuals and be able to have sit-down discussions, all right? And we got mama and son sitting at the table with each other, and then we got them to talk about their criminal life, right? And you hear the mothers. You know, what we do, one of the things we did was when you sit at the table, you ask them, okay, let's talk about when you first started committing crime. And they want to tell us what? Maybe the last thing that just happened. But we want to know your first time. First time you stole candy out the store, right? And it makes it real. Because if I'm 30 years old, we recognize the problem ain't starting when you was 25 or 27. Things just got bad. No, it started when you was nine, stealing candy out the stores, right? And you ain't use drugs because, you, you know, uh, your crime don't leave because of drugs. You actually committed crime before you started using drugs. Drugs only enhance what you had going on, right? And we have to expose the families to that information that they keep their families in the dark about a lot of issues. You know, very, very, very important, you know? And you gotta think about it, anytime I'm living a criminal lifestyle, right, everything around me is criminal. Everything around me is criminal. How I put food on the table is criminal, right? My woman I choose, I'm gonna get me a good woman, got a good job, stable, why? Because I'm gonna be unstable. I need somebody unstable, you know, I need somebody stable for this unstable I got going on, so she's going to support the behavior. You know, if I don't have a good woman, then guess what? Mom going in place. Mom is a powerful element in criminal behavior. Because mom will always do what? Support it. She's going to support it. That's my baby. You know, very, very important. So when you put them at the table and we start pointing out these things, and you talk about how many times you've been arrested, it's very powerful. Over 29 times. 30. 30 times. I had a woman one time had been locked up for prostitution over 72 times. And we had pictures that we put in front of her so she can see her face change over the years. Very powerful. Very powerful. So with the closed channel thinking, you understand that I'm focused on the right now and I'm acting like I'm getting treated my whole life. But our job is to open the picture up and say, no, this is your pattern. These things ain't happening to you. You're creating these things. All right? Very important. Make sense? Okay. The victim stands, very, very important. This is a powerful element in, in criminal thinking. 
the victim stands, all right? Victim stands is the source of all drama. What is a victim? Anybody? What is a victim? Person who's been violated. Person who feels sorry for. Person who feels sorry for. Right. I'm gonna tell you this. There hadn't been a criminal I met that at one time in their life had never been victimized. Hurt people hurt people. Every criminal had been at one time legitimately in their life a victim. But they operate that as a lifestyle for themselves. Well, look at me. Yeah, this person might be hurt, but what about me? Who helped me? Who was there for me? All right? I mean, all the way down to, uh, 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 I got to be sensitive, but I know we have a uh, prison base, you know, and I don't want to get too raw in here, but it's very, very important, you know. Uh, even with my, uh, working with my female offenders, at one time she was legitimately raped, right? And that happened from the ages of 13 all the way to 17, all right? And I'm going to give you credit for a couple years. You went through some things. But here we are, 28 years. Now let's talk about from 17 to 28, what we got going on. You did this to yourself, all right? And no longer can we blame the perpetrator who violated you. You're hurting other folks now, all right? We have to do that. So the victim stance is you have to help them heal their story. I'm sorry, that was a terrible thing. And you know what? If we can pull that child out and talk to them and let you talk to them and say, hey, man, you legitimately got hurt. and It, was, it wasn't your fault, you know? And yeah, look, I wish somebody was there, man. But now, man, you, you hurting other folks. The same thing you don't want to happen, man. You're creating this for yourself. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, I hope I'm helping you with that. You know, and please ask a question, all right? View yourself as a good person. I like to, when I'm, just for my reference, and this is something I just kind of came up with, so it kind of helps me when I'm working with individuals. I see criminals in three different lights. There's three types of criminals, all right? The first criminal, is the surface criminal. Now this is just ransom talking, okay? Surface criminal, all right? The surface criminal is everybody in this room. Me, you, everybody, okay? In this room right here, okay? Uh, if I break the law, it's speeding. You know, you heard people say, you know, if it wasn't for this, this and that, I'd be just like you. I don't think that's true. It's not a true statement, big difference, all right? Speeding, opportunity to get over my taxes, maybe, depending on, I know we can do a church event, but you know, it's there. We're not perfect people, we do things, all right? But it's gonna be small risk. Very small risk. It ain't gonna be that much, right? If I came up to you, you know, know me, I was a random stranger, I had some hot watches. Depending on your risk level, you'd be like, oh, I ain't there yet. I don't trust you. Maybe if I knew you better, I'd probably do it. I don't know, you know, okay? <laughs> uh, above the surface criminal, you have functional criminals, and this is where these guys fall in place. They give you all the marks of being a good guy. He got a job, he got a family. But when he get off work, he got an itch to do something wrong, yep. all right? But he hides behind, you know, I got all these great things going on around me. I just, he get caught up in these situations, all right? And these guys are very clever, very manipulative because they back and forth, right? And we spend all our resources helping these guys out. If you can just watch your peer groups and blah, 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 if you watch your friends, but he's the orchestrator of bad behavior. You got to confront him like that. You know, you don't love your kids. That's what I tell them. You don't love your kids. You know, that's what you're saying out your mouth. But look at your actions. Because a loving father do these things. Look at your actions. You know? Yeah, you gave him material things, but is that all involved in being a father? No. All right? You're not a good father. And I hit him up, because you got to kill that image, because that's what they hide behind. That's what they sell the world on. All right? We want to tear that down and get to it. All right? Make sense? Mm -hmm. Any questions? Yes, sir. Can I be a weekend or a part-time criminal? That's there. That's there. Uh, but the difference, though, Ms. Lifford, I would say that it's risks that separate the levels. All right? The functional criminal, it's going to have a higher threshold of risk-taking. 
I'll give you an example. If Mr. Lifford came to me, he had a brand new Cadillac, 26-inch rims, right? I know he ain't working. I'm surface criminal. He asked me to get in the car with him. I'm going to tell him, no, you ain't working. <laughs> oh, but if I'm functional, I'm going to jump in there. No question asked. Why? Because I recognize in criminal lifestyle, right, if I ask questions, then you must be what? The police. So we don't ask questions. We just ride. All right? And the last level of criminals is hardwired criminal. He don't care nothing about no job. He don't care nothing about trying to do the right thing. However, he is your most... He is your real criminal. You know, he's going to get up in the day and he's going to plan his day out, meaning I have to have seven licks for the day is out to make my mark. You know, he's planning. He's very organized how he eats, how he selects his relationships, find me a good woman. She's going to be very structured, right? But then I got a tester. And I, it ain't just coming up. This came up with time of working with inmates over and over and over again. They always have good women. You know, my real hardwired criminals, you know, she's a nurse, she's a teacher. Hopefully she ain't no correction officer. <laughs> they fall for them too, right? Right? And then I got a tester, because all I need to know is when I'm locked up, is she going to hold me down? Uh -huh. right, that's what I want to know. Is she going to put money on my books? Is she going to hold me down? Uh, and these are your hardwired criminals. And again, it's separated by risk taking, the thresholds for risk. You know, uh, I tell the guys, uh, and it's just some of my, uh, I hit them in the face and wake them up. That you know, you see these inmates, Ms. Wilson, you've seen that, you know, they give you these pictures. You know, they'd be like, you know, look at these pictures. You know, look at them. They say, okay, I see you in front of your house. Or I see you in front of your car. You're in the club, you got bottles. I see you got the women, you know, they bent over and all that with the pictures. You know, I said, huh, okay. And over time, I seen that. And I said to myself, why do they have so many pictures? And then it dawned on me that when I go on vacation, I take pictures too. This is the sad part of it. When I go on vacation, I take pictures of the Disney World. I take pictures when I go to Texas, when I go to the amusement park. I take pictures to remind me of where I've been. And see, when jail unconsciously becomes your, your reality, you know, then they do the same thing to remind them when they go home on vacation. And that's the sadness about what we got going on. And I use that as tool to motivate them to change. They're where you want to be, in and out at the penal farm, doing two years, three years, four years. You know, he did a, did a baby life sentence, back and forth. We letting y'all on vacation. You know, very powerful tool. Okay? All right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your level three criminal, the hardwired Hardwired. You fell to the pregnant woman because they're not looking at her as being pregnant. They're looking at that knot, that cheddar that they're trying to put in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So they're trying mm -hmm. to desensitize yeah and I want to challenge let's look let's look at that a little better too you're right you're right but also better than that okay um it was where I get my attaboys in my life you know my pat on the backs you know I tell the guys it's a difference for me driving a BMW in Claiborne homes and foot homes man I'm a celebrity them folks love me you know everybody like that listen to the music the women like me I'm a good person. My name is Lil Tony. I built this franchise, whatever, how you want to look at it, you know? But take that down Germantown or Collierville. Man, you're just a normal person, you know? I ain't nobody special, you know? And that's what the criminal lifestyle offers, right? I got picked on when I was a kid, right? I got picked on. I'll tell you, you know, criminals are always victims first. My, my, we didn't, my family didn't have. Folks talked about me. I uh, hand-me-down clothes. I had to wear girl clothes at school. Kids riddled me. Right? Picked on me. So I found out, man, uh, when I was able to get things and people liked me, 
you know, and then I graduated and my, uh, it developed a, you know, where I was able to start stealing and pass it off and I started selling to folks. And then I found out selling drugs and I became good at that. And then I had to get picked on anymore, you know, and people know me. So now when you ask me to put that down, then who am I? I'm a third grade education with the penal form. My average reading level is what, uh, between fourth and sixth grade? Fourth, sixth grade. I don't have a high school diploma. I'm a terrible father. When I talk to my kids, they think he's just telling me some Disneyland stuff. Is it a fact or is it going to be fiction? You're going to tell the truth, you know? Uh, but nobody likes me. You know, I'm a terrible son. You know, but when I go over here, everybody show me love. So it's a hard thing. When you're attacking them, man, you got to instill some things into them, you know? So uh, I think you have to kind of keep that in mind, too. That we talk about change, we have to sell them on that. You know, what, what's, what's the benefits in this lifestyle for you, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? I found that even with my, go ahead, director. What's the difference between the kids that grow up in the same area that, that, that find education is a way out as opposed to uh, a criminal lifestyle that when they're being picked on, because a lot of kids get picked on for not having this or that. And, and some are persuaded to go one way and others are persuaded to go other ways. So I know it's no rhyme or reason, but just your view of it. I think, um, that's a good question, Director. That's, that's, that's a good question. I do know that they respond to choices and consequences differently. Um, I do know that. Uh, the guys that we work with have a low tolerance frustration. You know, uh, they have to see things. I want what I want, I want it now. You know, it's, it's that mentality. Uh, uh, um, and I think that's, a, that's the biggest part of it. You know, uh, yes, sir. Is it gonna be their support system? I mean, some people come from a, a one-parent family. Some people come from a uh, situation where parents aren't even there. They, I mean, they may have biological parents, but and they're never there. So your support system is, if you got somebody who's younger and getting picked on, but yet their parents are still reinforcing okay. yeah. them and building up their self-esteem, then they're going to react differently than someone Parent keep telling them you ain't nobody, you ain't no good, you getting picked on because you size. Right, right. Now, I agree with you totally there. I think that uh, with criminal, when Ms. Lifford asked you about what is criminal thinking, you know, how my definition and I term it with the guys is that criminal, criminal is just basic rebelliousness. You know, rebelliousness, that's what it is. You know, 80% of the guys in my program, and it never really fluctuates, don't have a valid driver's license. But ask me, do they drive? Yeah, they drive. You know what I mean? 60% of guys that I have in my program, children don't have their last name. All right, but they still having kids. Why? Anything that has something to do with responsibility and obligation, they run from. Yep. You know? Yeah, very, very important. Yeah. And they have issues with systems, you know, educational system, you know. And my son, uh, ADHD kid, you know, act seven, suspended in school 17 times. And then they label them, man, with ODD, Oppositional Defined Disorder. And from that stage, you go to conduct disorder. And from that stage, you go to antisocial. And antisocial is criminal thinking. That's criminal personality. So systems also, you know, if you don't catch them and engage them, I'm an active father in his life. Man, but it's, man, can you imagine? You know, if I don't have a good father, because father represents God, I think, in the, in the child's life. He's the end all. You stop right there. Stop, you know. So if he ain't got a good relationship about authority with his father and or family, they go to the school system and have this reciprocated. And then I go in my life and then I get into the justice system and it's just reinforcement, drama, chaos. It's how I deal with life. She had her hand up. But 
Okay. I didn't have a question. I was going to piggyback off of what, what you said. I don't know your name, but um, in some situations, you can have a person or a child that got the best support system in the world, but if you got little Tony still bumping through the neighborhood, riding on 26, he in school getting A's, he going he gonna to like this too slow for me. You know, I want what little Tony got. Your moms and your dad can encourage you every day, but little Tony done is wrong. And then you can also have that person in, in that one family that his mom is always telling him, you're not going to amount to nothing. You're not going to do nothing. You're going to end up like little Tony. That would be your person to prove that mama in that community wrong by doing what's good right point. and going to the uh, college and doing and getting out that neighborhood. Good, part, good point. Very good point. Yes, ma'am. I found that um, most people in the predicament that you're talking about who call themselves victims, who do a lot of the things that you just described. I call it, and I'm just, it, all of a sudden this movie came to me, Notorious Big. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a Notorious Big fan. I'm, I'm a fan I'm too. <laughs> yeah. You know, he used to sit on the front porch, you know, get picked on, and then he just said, I ain't gonna do it no more. You know, yeah. I'm finna, uh, this is my environment, I'm finna go out and buck it, buck, buck the suit. Yeah. I'm finna do everything my mama told me not to do. Yeah. And, 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 and our inmates, I work at the jail, they, a lot of their kids, they 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 think that's the stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what they want to emulate. Yeah. You know, they when they come see their dad, if they want, they be like, what? Yeah. They think it's prison is yeah. cool. Yeah. I was gonna say I, I equate the behavior, the self-destructive behavior, to uh, when I worked at Lakeside, and I worked with my uh, self-mutilators. You know, and you find out why do they why do they self-mutilate? And they tell you that if you talk to any self-mutilator, that I have so much pain that's going on the inside, I need something superficial to distract me from what's going on. You know, so I create a wound to care for, and I can control this. Same thing with our inmates. You know, they have a low tolerance for frustration, and they self-sabotage because now you're giving me expectations. You know what I mean? I tell you, black sheep have to stay black to be a sheep, right? <laughs> you got to get yourself dirty. You got to stay dirty to be a black sheep. So they create chaos for themselves to be comfortable. I had guys tell me, in my program, two years, he was a building coordinator, had the highest function, excellent guy in the program. Right before he went home, he smoked some marijuana, right? And I asked him, why did he do that? He said, man, because ransom, there was too much pressure. I was feeling like I was losing my edge to the streets. Mm -hmm. So I had to get back comfortable again because I know I got to go home. I got to survive. Yeah. I can't lose my street sense because at the end of the day, you can take away this job, but you can never take away this hustle. So the hustle is what I'm going to lean on, you know? So we shatter, uh, shattering a belief system. I'm sorry, Mr. Lipp, I keep it going. <laughs> yes, sir, I got you. One yes, sir. we talked about also is the whole concept of these millennials. Yeah. The overarching concept of people, and young people in this millennial yeah. age and what it is that they want and the immediacy of what they want, regardless uh, of your background, regardless of your experiences, I think that's across all disciplines. That's true. That is really a factor that we should, that we're going to have to learn to deal with. Yeah. Because they want different things different ways. And sometimes we're stuck where we are, and we cannot necessarily understand where they are, and there has to be a medium sometimes. I don't say give up the ghost or give a ship up, but sometimes we have to draw the line in the sand somewhere. So we've had some discussions about how do we approach that as well. Yeah, it's very important. I think that uh, uh, there's a... Uh, if you look on YouTube, you know, they got a lot of, you're starting to see it become a, you know, this generation is not driven off of, you know, past generation, money, status, you know. It's more about how people see me, you know, and I'll do anything for a like, set myself on fire, 
you know. Uh, you got the Kush Challenge where guys go in the mall and light marijuana and walk around, you know, just to get a bunch of likes. But you see kids doing things now, young folks doing things. They have a different motivation. So you have to keep that in mind. Definitely uh, when we're talking about working with young folks and working with a different difficult population, uh, lack of effort, I'm kind of lump this together, lack of interest in responsible performance. Uh, that's actually, I call it a style, criminal thinking style, you know, uh, because I know if I give a lack of effort, again, you know, I tell you the black sheep's got to stay black. Therefore, you know, that take away my excuses. Now, I've been using this, but comfort is what I seek. You know, you got to understand the criminals seek comfort, not change. All right? It's our job to push them to discomfort and change. All right? So you always want to make them uncomfortable, getting them to stretch. Challenge that belief system. It ain't working for you. If you came here to jail on a drug charge, how is that working for you? Okay, time before that, what happened? You was in jail for drug charge? Okay, how is that working for you? And time before that, drug time. Man, what is, what is this uh, drug doing for you? You know what I mean? You hit them with that. Because I wanted to get them in touch with that spirit, man, because the spirit's supposed to lead the body, right? And the spirit has to wake up, and the mind has to say, man, where are we leading ourselves, okay? So you challenge that, okay? Lack of time perspective, fear of fear, and Mr. Liffer talked about that. And these where I was telling you that every criminal that I worked with had some type of victim story, even if they were well off. They had a lot of material things, but family wasn't there. That's still called neglect. That's still abuse. And they might hide behind, I had everything given to me, but I never really developed a relationship with my family that I was looking for. So I felt like I was in love. And when I don't feel like I was loved, it is okay for me to hurt other people. Okay? The power thrust, these are interesting people. All right, I want to be in control of every situation, you know. Uh, I like to, that's my drug dealer, of course, you know. Drug dealers, uh, I've been working in the field for so long, it's almost the, the, the charge breaks down with the personality type. You know, your drug dealer is going to be, uh, uh, he'll have almost a, a God-type personality, depending on his level of his hustle, you know, but he has very social skills, talk with people, right, understand people, good leadership. If you're going to be in my community, he's often going to be my coordinator. All right, but my robber's going to be different. Robbers don't have time to sell drugs. They're very impatient, impulsive people. I need to react. I ain't got time for that. You know, they'll tell you. If I make up my mind that I got to rob someone, right, and I pull up to the store to rob, right, and the police there, I'm not going to rob that store. But somebody got to get robbed. It got to happen, baby. It's urge satisfaction. We made this happen. All right? I'm going to sound sick, daughter, but it's true. I mean, it is true. This is the mentality. And if you get them to be honest and set a platform where they feel comfortable and we not, because we got to be careful. We don't want to judge the behavior. Even my uh, problem I had was working with my sex offenders. And I'm getting better at that, you know. But I want to hear them because once you take the situation out and you hear the behavior, it's just all irrational thinking. She, she, she wanted it. She was inviting me. No, she wasn't. Listen to that. Listen to what you're saying. Are you hearing what you're saying? Listen to that, you know. And you have to challenge that. All right, uh, uniqueness, you know, um, that's my, um, uh, I got a current situation that I'm dealing with, uh, with, uh, you know, you got 40 guys on a unit, and I got two guys in there that has a different sexual orientation, right? And you say, okay, well, as staff, we want to be very keen because we want to protect and we don't want a situation when nobody taking advantage of them. But however, they run rampant in the unit. You know, they're the rabbit with the gun. Because, uh-oh, they talking about me, they saying I'm gay, and then we come running in, terrorizing everybody, right? And they actually got control of the unit. Staff call them, and they have all these other ways. But 
Same thing. Something happened to him when he was a kid, right? He saw something happen. His mother drowned, and we treated him special growing up. Never didn't consequent him correctly. So he has this sense of entitlement that the world's supposed to operate. That I got a quick little story, Miss Liv. I promise I'm gonna. <laughs> right, I promise. <laughs> right. uh, this is what I do. This is what I tell people. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm addicted to stepping on rakes. You know, and this is my problem. I like stepping on rakes, right? But I don't like feeling the consequences for that. This young lady's gonna jump in front of the rake when I get ready to catch the lick, right? Mm -hmm. And so I go on about my business. Until eventually she gets tired of me stepping on these rakes and she catching all the licks and she's gonna stop, right? Mm -hmm. And let me feel the lick for myself. Now this is the interesting point on in the behavior, right? First I'm gonna say, ow, but my second point was what? Where were you? You seen me finish step on this rake. You should have been right here. That's the uniqueness, okay? The ownership attitude, uh, I could equate it best with my, uh, uh, it's all part of all the criminal thinking. But just, I think the best to illustrate that is my pimps that I work with. You know, as they tell me, they're event coordinators, entertainment coordinators. That's what they call themselves. They don't call, they don't call, you know, you know, yeah. When I work with pimps, I tell the, pimp, I tell the guys who are entertainment coordinators, I hadn't met one that loved his mama yet. You know, they usually have mama issues, right? So it makes it easier for me to objectify women, right? And not have a, that, and so, but I come in with my bags, I love my mama, I love me some Mary, you know, Mary, you know, I love her. So I could actually, you know, but if I don't have that, I'm gonna hit them with my value system, then you have that drama, that chaos, all right? So I have to understand, I wanna challenge what he's saying in his belief system. You have four daughters. Do you want that? No, I don't want that for my daughter, but why would you do this? What do you think you're showing her? All right? And again. Break down the barriers with them and take them out. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Uh, I hit him with the triple A's. If I can get him to acknowledge it's a problem, all right, then accept it, that it's not working for him and it's a destructive behavior, and let's come up with some action plans to make this thing work for us. You know, and it's going to be some back and forth, but I'm going to keep pushing, you know. All right? All right? <laughs> it ain't dead. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to kind of. Fast forward a little bit. And this is one of the questions I ask all the guys on the unit right before you go home. Do you feel that you are more criminal ready or more job ready upon release? And I get overwhelmingly criminal ready. You know, I still feel criminal ready. And they'll tell you that. That's an honest question, right? <clears throat> but this is how it works. The criminal lifestyle, they come to us in the correctional experience, right? And I've just seen a situation, just seen a situation like this. A kid that I knew from the outside came to jail. Uh, for domestic violence. He got a bunch of domestic violence charges. He had to go do two years at the penal farm. Uh, wasn't a bad kid, worked, uh, but got in jail, worked in the kitchen with the AOC. Uh, I seen him on the outside, and now he's a drug dealer. You know, you see guys, you'll become more criminalized because guess what the correctional experience is about, right? If you're not, enga if you're not engaging them, all right, it's all about beat the authority, beat the guards, right? And criminal lifestyle built off three belief systems. I know I'll be telling you stuff, and, you know, but it's true, all right? Don't talk to the police, mm -hmm. right? Don't trust nobody, mm -hmm. and what we got on, you can't feel nothing about it, all right? That's the three systems, all right? And it, uh, don't talk to the police, don't trust people, and don't feel nothing that's going on around here. You can't have no compassion, all right? No feeling. Can't feel. You can't have no feel. What you feeling for? All right, you understand that as a learned behavior? 
learn. You, you do this to yourselves, you have to get your brain to function a certain kind of way to commit the crime. Yeah. All right? And you do it over and over now, yeah. it's a habit. That's you know? Yeah. yeah, so you have to confront the behavior. All right? So, you know, to go to the correctional experience, and 95% of people locked up today will come home sooner or later. So we understand that this is very important. I kind of press upon the staff. This is, we got to do our job. Very important. We have impact. I asked the guy that, uh, on my unit <clears throat> to draw this picture. I said, draw, t draw me your correctional experience here in the program. All right? And this is what he drew. <laughs> this is what he drew. <laughs> yeah, he drew this here. Right? And what you see? Chaos, right? But look who's angry. The staff. <laughs> the staff, right? look at him. He just, he just caught up in the situation. He just got caught up. You know? Yeah. He's a victim. That's a victim right there. You see him? He just meek and mild. He just, everybody, all this stuff going around me, right? He's caught up in here. And you hear the guys talk about it. <clears throat> you heard this back there, 201. When I caught this charge, you ain't catch no charge. You committed this crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got caught up, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I caught this case. Yeah, that's right. You committed a crime, but why do we say it like that? Because it ownership. I don't want to say commit a crime. I'd rather say I caught it. It's your fault I caught this, right? And it's a real subtle play of words, but it's the truest part of the thought process, right? Understanding criminal mind. Okay, this is interesting. All right, and I found this, and, I, and you know, when we say antisocial thinking, pretty much might as well say criminal thinking, because they're going to be business a time or two in their lifetime, right? But uh, a guy, uh, it's almost like a polygraph test, but he was able to say words and attach emotions that was attached to the words, you know? And so he took a normal thinking person, antisocial thinking person, and he kind of compared words, but look, <coughs> the response of a normal thinking person with cancer and the antisocial. Look at death, not important, but then look at friend, almost dips. And look at mom. Wow, huh? Wow. Wow. You know? And I tell people, when I tell you about the spider web of criminality, is that um, with mom, I learned, is that she complains about what I'm doing, right? But she takes this money that I give her. Right? That's very powerful. So what that tells me, you know, you don't like what I'm doing, but you take the money, so that means it's okay. Support in a sense. And I promise you, when you bring the mom to the room, you confront them on that, they ain't happy about that. <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. It's true. All right? Uh, and I think, uh, any questions? I'm going to go ahead and kind of. Yes, ma'am. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I no, that's not. That's true. No, ma'am. No, I was saying a, a, a pimp. I'm sorry. You know, I don't know how to say it. I haven't met a pimp. Uh, well, you know, they have tend to have mother issues. And like I said, I've been doing this for a long time. And so you notice that there's traits that go along with the crime. You know, um, of course, a kid that's going to be ADHD is going to be very impulsive. You know, so I found in time, I like to ask guys who aggravate a robber, Do you, have you ever been diagnosed with attention deficit disorder? And a, a strong connection. The impulsiveness, I got to make it, I got to do it now. They're going to have your anger problems, going to have frustration. Oftentimes, they have trouble communicating how they feel, you know, so I know when I talk with them, I want to beat them up on being able to accept frustration, you know, and work on you communicating yourself, you know, so I might try to get them to take on some more responsibility, kind of get them emotionally, kind of grow them up a little bit, you know. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. I just, I couldn't believe I heard you say that, but I was, I think you said Yeah, but, but it was the pimp, the pimps, you know, they kind of. 
Don't like the mom in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Very important, yes. Denial is important. I call it their denial ability. <laughs> you know, I got one form of everything, but yeah, and it's there for a reason because I can't feel for the person. If I feel for the victim, God, I mean, it's going to stop me. Right. Yeah, and I lose my payoffs. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, I had a question. Um, I was wondering if you had a handout, number one. Yeah. Number two is uh, I, I was trying to mentor a guy. say to wrap up is is that Mr. Ransom has not clearly stated what his role is. He's a unit manager on one of our therapeutic units. Okay. And what we look at there is cognitive behavior training. We know that we must address the cognitive process if we're going to change and make a change in the event. What we're doing differently now is we're assessing and evaluating people on the front end. So when he gets to Mr. Ransom's unit, he will have a host of information yeah. there from us to say, we discovered this, we discovered this, we discovered this when they enter the institution. Because we're prepared for reentry upon entry, then it makes it easier for us to really plan, <coughs> effectively plan for him. We use it as an example, an individual we had who we did a, a new process on, who was a German plumber as an example, mm -hmm. okay? No problem with uh, our social domains, he's a uh, service domains. He has a job, he has an income, he has a house, he has transportation. So when he comes into the institution, instead of us going with trying to put him to work, we want to work on the fact that he has anger management problems, he has co he has alcohol problems that lead to cocaine usage, that leads to domestic violence. So because we assessed him on the front end, then we know that we should primarily work on those cognitive things and then work on that those violence and those uh, substance abuse issues. Okay? And then secondly, we can then look at employment as he prepares to work his way back in. So that's the way that we're trying to orchestrate our service delivery system, okay? It helps to know what you're dealing with so you can be more effective. You made a good point. You said, wow, I was doing something, but now I've got more information, so now it helps me know how to deal with that situation better. Right. That's a prime example of why we want to assess and evaluate people when they enter into the institution so Mr. Ransom and other unit managers will know how to work with that individual. And Mr. Conifer there who works with transition and Ms. Wilson who works with volunteer and, and, and chaplain services, we know what's needed. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to curtail criminal behavior by knowing on the front end as much as we can know and then taking that and then effectively providing the services that they need. So that, that's what we're trying to, and we're learning. This is a learning process mm -hmm. for us. This is new for us and we're learning how to do that. We've been locking people up for years and making sure that they where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. But until we can assess what their real needs are, okay, 
then we can do a better and more effective job than what we're doing. So we will take our PowerPoints. We will make it available. Um, so we'll do that. We don't have a problem with that. And certainly, we hope that it can be beneficial uh, for everybody that's attending here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.